Welcome to Teacher Talks at Valdosta State University with your host, Dr. Forrest Parker, brought to you by the Dewar College of Education and Human Services and the Department of Teacher Education at Valdosta State University. Okay, so we are back in a new semester here at Valdosta State University um, on a new episode of Teacher Talks, a podcast for teachers by teachers. And we have a special guest, a new faculty member here at Valdosta State in the College of Education, and that is Ambie Watson. Thank you for joining us today. So this is also a different kind of podcast because it's not recorded live, recorded live like the other podcasts that we've had. So we are attempting to do this one virtually, which I think is a great person to start with because she is a very tech savvy person. So we're glad to have you. I mean, who better to be a guinea pig than the tech guru herself? I am so excited to be here. Dr. Parker, thank you for inviting me. Um, And thank you for letting me be your guinea pig for the virtual hosting of this podcast. You are doing a great job. Um, So just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from. You know, we know you specialize in technology, but anything else you want to add for that? Yeah, so I taught middle school math for several years, and then the pandemic hit and things got crazy in education. and. I walked away, which was very hard for me, and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I said, I'm going to start a technology business. I'm obviously really good at technology, and I want to teach teachers how to integrate technology. So I started Get Your Tech Together. It is on all social media platforms. Shameless plug there. Um, And so my first professional development was at Valdosta State um, for the teacher educator candidates. And Debbie Payne was in that meeting. And after it was over with, she called me and said, I have to have you. What can I do to get you here? And I was like, well, open a job and I'll come. So now here I am. I'm so excited to be here. I have my first semester under my belt and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I teach the technology classes and middle grades math methods. Very good. Well, actually, I just learned a little bit about you. I I knew you were into tech, and I obviously knew you were in education. I knew that uh, Dr. Payne recruited you hard to get you here, and we're very happy to have you. I didn't know you had a tech business. That's pretty. What is it called again for our listeners? Get it is get your tech together, and I send out Tech Tip Tuesday newsletter every Tuesday to those who are on my newsletter, and I'm on uh, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we need to we need to connect that way. It's it's a shame that you know we've worked together for a whole semester. I'm just finding this out, but that's okay. That's okay. That's what this is all about: to get to know each other and uh, and spreading the the good news of education to to everybody. Yeah. So you wrote a blog for um for the well the blog <laughs> you wrote an article for that um but you could have picked any topic that you wanted and you chose digital citizenship. So why did you pick that topic? Because that is what I'm currently writing my dissertation on. <laughs> that is a great answer. Full, full transparency. <laughs> okay. Well, but so this is supposed to be something useful for like our listeners, but don't you think that like students already know this kind of stuff? Like young students are already so immersed in technology. Um, don't they don't really need help with this area, do they? Navigating the internet, they already know how to do that. 
Well, so that's exactly why I picked this topic for my dissertation. And, you know, the more that I can dive into that, the more that that helps me in the long run. Um, But I came from a school that we used to have one Chromebook card for every team. So that means we're sharing 30 Chromebooks for 110 students. So what happens is no one uses the Chromebooks because scheduling is a nightmare. And so we just kind of, okay, well, we have Chromebooks, but we're not really using them. Well, then last year, my last year there, we became one-to-one. And so if you're not familiar with that terminology, that is a ratio saying that for every one device, there is one student or vice versa. So now every student has their own Chromebook. So now they can... um, they can be responsible for that one Chromebook. They go to their homeroom, they're assigned their Chromebook, they carry it with them throughout the day. So in theory, this is great. But the problem is, is that now they're on their Chromebook all day long during school, and then they're on their devices all afternoon at home. But no one has really modeled for them how to behave appropriately online. We give a bunch of 12-year-olds a Chromebook and we assume they're going to act like 35-year-olds on the Chromebook. But no one's taught them, hey, this is how you behave responsibly. This is how you should interact with others. You have to recognize that there is a face on the other end of what you're talking to. You're not, it's easy to be a a keyboard warrior and just spew all the things that you wouldn't actually say in real life. And they need to understand that they have a digital footprint. Everything that you post online, even if you delete it, it can be retrieved. And that can, we've, we've seen in politics, how stuff like that really comes back to bite you in the butt when you don't watch what you say online and then years later, I'm not talking about an immediate repercussion. This is years later that it affects you when you're trying to do something with your life because no one ever taught you how to be a digital citizen. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up um, those ideas because in your your article that you wrote, um, you talk about cyberbullying and, and other like legal issues that, like surround the internet. But yeah, we talk a lot about bullying in school. So don't you think that students already know like not to bully people? So, but what's the big difference between in-person bullying and like online bullying? Well, I think that online bullying takes away um, any level of, oh my gosh, I could get in trouble for this or oh my gosh, I see this kid crying. Like, I think there's a bit of, even if you don't feel it on the surface, there is a bit of empathy somewhere deep down inside you that you're recognizing, I really am hurting this person and I really should stop. But ultimately, people don't bully people because they're satisfied with who they are. They bully people because of their own insecurities. So when you take away that other person being in front of you and you can be a ninja warrior on the keyboard and not realize that, hey, there is a person on the other side of this, I really think it makes you too brave. It makes you say too much stuff that, let's be honest, you would not say to them in their face. Yeah. and it, but, but if it's happening outside of school... Um, is that really an issue that we even want to get into? Like if this bullying is happening outside of school where, where students are taking their devices home and stuff like that, is that something that schools even want to get involved in? Is it going to open up like a can of worms? 
Yeah, so if it's a device that they've checked out from the school and they're using a school-issued device to do this with, then yes, absolutely, that is our responsibility because that is our device. However, if they're using their own phone and they're not on school premises, we really can't do anything. Like, our hands are tied. There's nothing that we can say or do because it's not happening at school. The problem is, is what happens at home on Snapchat always shows up in the classroom. There's always drama that impedes on their ability to learn. And so at the end of the day, if you're being bullied at home on Snapchat, is there anything that I can do about it as your teacher? No. But once that drama enters my classroom and now I can't teach my students, am I going to do something about it? Yes, because you're now affecting everyone else's education. And that's a problem. That's a very good point you bring up. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we'll keep talking about these these issues with uh, digital citizenship. This podcast is brought to you by Ricky Z's Social Media. Okay, welcome back from that very short break. Um, uh, so we were just talking um, with... Uh, Amby Watson about digital citizenship and kind of about bullying. But I kind of want to transition into the other part of the article where you're talking about um, ethics and safety. So again, we talk a lot about plagiarism and stuff like that. So don't our students and teachers already know, right, that, you know, plagiarism is wrong? Like, how does this, why is it important that just because it's on technology that we need to, you know, emphasize that? So funny you bring that up because when I was teaching in the middle school, obviously I knew these kids do not understand plagiarism. It is my job to teach them about acceptable use and copyright laws and all this kind of stuff. But I was very blindsided when I came to BSU because we teach, well, I teach juniors and seniors. You have some graduate level. Um, but we don't teach freshmen and sophomores. So I'm thinking you've gone through middle school, you've gone through high school, you've gone through two years of college. You should be a pro at not plagiarizing. But oh my gosh, these people do not know how to give credit where credit is due. And so I've just had a conversation with a student this week in my e-degree course. I told, I docked her on not citing her sources. And I said, always cite your sources when you're using scholarly writing. And her response to me was, well, I didn't give any direct quotes. I used the five word rule and I made sure to paraphrase everything. Do I still need to um, cite my sources for that? Yes, it is. If it's not your fault, you need to give credit. And I mean, literally, it is as simple as putting their last name and the year that it was published. That's And then, of course, put your citation in, in the reference section. But you have to give credit where credit is due. You cannot plagiarize. And so there's a lot of, I guess, hoops you have to jump through when making sure that you're not plagiarizing, even citing your own work. Like you can't even use your own words from another article that you've written without citing your own self. And so do they know, yes, I cannot copy and paste this from the internet and turn it in. Yes, they know that's wrong. But do they understand all the depth of plagiarism? No, they don't. Um, but since we're talking about technology, can't we just use like turnitin.com or other things like that? that? That pretty much checks everything, right? Well, you would think. 
And then all the people. So technology is like ever evolving. There's always a, a latest social media platform, always a latest gimmick, whatever. And so now we actually have something called Chat GPT. And Chat GPT kind of like became this artificial intelligence that you literally tell it what to write and it writes it for you. And once I discovered that, I realized, oh my gosh, you can do this with so many other things. Like I can go to Canva and Canva can create artificial intelligence, um, five, five tips about digital citizenship and bam, it'll give me five tips about digital citizenship, whatever. Um, and actually, full transparency, the blog that I wrote for you is from ChatGPT. I did not actually write it. What? Yep. I know you're shocked. Super shocked. So I, I'm very interested in chat GPT because I've been playing around with it myself and seeing, you know, what can it do? And then also what can it not do? Because, you know, when we first heard about it, I think it was in a faculty meeting this semester. Maybe I'd heard about it on the news, but the first time it was mentioned at the university level and it was kind of pitched as, well, this is the doom of all education because it's just going to write our papers. So we can't require students to write papers and it's it's not detectable through plagiarism software. Is that, is that right? That's correct. It is not. Although there are some people. So as as things progress, other people are catching up to that. And so now there is actually someone um, at a university, I can't remember which university it was, but he has actually written a software that can detect chat GPT. We don't all have access to it yet, but that is coming and it's coming quickly. So it's like, hey, here's this really cool software. Oh yeah, now we're going to catch you for it. All right. It's it's so funny that you said, that you said the article is written that way because as I, you know, I had played around with it and seeing what it can do, but I actually just yesterday used it and I think it was completely ethical. I was writing up, uh, well, I'm partnering with a, a local uh, GNETs program, uh, Horizon GNETs here in Valdosta in the surrounding area, if you all are familiar with that. And I needed to get a letter of agreement between me and the principal. And so I sat there for like 10 minutes, like, I hereby grant permission to, and I was like, no, that's too official. Uh, I, I would like to partner with, and I was like, uh, so I went to Jack, chat GPT and just said, write a letter of agreement between an educational consultant and a school district. And... It did. And it was actually really good. And I changed a few of the details here and there, but it was perfectly written in, in like 10 seconds. So it saved me a lot of time. So, yeah. So I, I played around with it as well. And I was like, write a letter of resignation. And if Dr. Payne has listened to this, no, this is not a hint of anything. I'm here to stay, but just see what it can do. Write a letter of resignation. And it was like a really good letter of resignation. But then I tell it to summarize, summarize pride and prejudice. And it was terrible. There was like no emotion in it because truly it's just artificial intelligence. I said, give me 15 articles on digital citizenship in APA 7 format because I need some articles for my dissertation. And its response to me was, I am a computer. I cannot give you 15 articles on digital citizenship, but I can tell you what key phrases to search for when you go to Google Scholar. And I was like, okay, so there are some limitations here. Right. I, I asked it to write a literature review on, on a topic I know a lot about, and it cranked out a beautifully written literature review with, with in-text citations. And I thought, oh my God, this you could write your dissertation like this. However... 
when I started trying to find the articles, I typed, you know, I was looking for it. I, I could not find the authors. And so I asked chat GPT. It's like, where can I, you know, how, how do I cite this? And it gave me the perfect APA citation with the volume number in the journal article. And I went to the journal. The journal was real. And I found the volume, and everything, but the article wasn't there. So I kept going back. I was like, why can't I find this? And finally, chat GPT said, oh, the reason you can't find it, I should have told you earlier, it's because I made up the article. It's not a real article. I was just giving you an example of what it could be. Everything was completely made up. But it, was, it sounded wow. so convincing. The articles, everything was completely made up. But it, it made logical sense what it was writing. But yeah, the, all the information was completely made up. So, it, which, so really, it's here to give us ideas, not to replace us. Exactly. So I think it can. It can't. It like I think if you were going to ask your students, write a constructed response on the difference between Piaget and Vygotsky. What are their different? I I think it can sort of do that for you. So I think as educators, we need to sort of evolve that what we're asking students to do and maybe why, because yeah. it is important to, to know how to write a paper for sure. Um, but there are different ways to teach that. Right. And I, I, well, I think it's one, one of those things. If you can't beat them, join them. Like use chat GPT in your classroom, show them that this is how you use it appropriately. This is how it becomes unethical. Like you asked me to write the blog post and you're like, Hey, can you have it by January 25th? And I'm like, I can have it in 30 seconds. And literally I typed in, Write a blog post on digital citizenship, and in instantly, I got it and sent it to you. And I'm like, I'm gonna show you who the overachiever is. I mean, you know, I have to say, like, you gave it to me that same day, and I was thinking, man, this person is is really on it. Um, so that that's fascinating, though. So for the people, most of my students that uh, listen to our podcast, which is a course requirement, um, they read the blog <laughs> post first and they make comments on it and um, ask questions and things. And so then they listen to the podcast after. So I think a lot of them will be very surprised that the article they read was written by not not so much you, but a computer. But it's all mm. original. So. I, I did kind of cringe when I read it because I'm like, yeah, I would not have. like some of the things that it says. I'm like, yes, I agree with that, but I don't really like the way that you worded that because it it does it takes out the emotion, it takes out the human aspect. That, you I, know? When I read it, I thought it was very, cl- but I mean, yeah, everyone has different writing styles. But I, I it's I, that's not mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll say like there was nothing wrong with it. So like as. In my role as like the editor for it, I'm looking for like mistakes or like clarity in content. And it was clear and it was concise. Um, and it was matter of fact, but it, yeah, there was, there's, and y- y- knowing you, there's so much spice there, right? And I was like, wow, it doesn't really come through in your writing. <laughs> oh, it does. It does come through in my actual writing. <laughs> well, well, this is, uh, it's been a great, uh, interview, I think, hit, hit up on some important topics. Um, so, just wrapping up, can you give us, in a nutshell, what, what again, is digital citizenship? Maybe why should we care? Okay, so digital citizenship is teaching students how to be responsible online. And you should care because, ultimately, what happens in your classroom does fall on your shoulders. And if that affects your classroom, what's going on outside of the school or whatever, you, you do have to be aware of that. You do have to... Ultimately, protect your students, but also teach them how to care about other people. Because I think technology is great, but I think it has definitely disconnected us more than it's connected us. And so that's why digital citizenship is important. We need to have that connectivity and that 
human compassion. I really like um, the way you talk about, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Like this is, this is another tool. It's, it's a reality. It's free, you know, to use, um, but teaching students how to use these things. I, I think that goes yeah. with, with anything, you know, you can abuse, um, a lot of things that doesn't necessarily mean the thing is bad, but we as teachers shouldn't be afraid of it. Right. We just kind of right. educate ourselves, lean into it. And how can we, how can we use it? You know, ethically, like you said, very nice. Well, is there anything else that we, you didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to. Man, I think we've talked about a lot. Like we got a lot covered in this short time. Um, again, thank you so much for having me. It has been a blast. And I want to do it again, but I want to do it when I can go over to that sweet podcast room that's on campus. Yes. We got, we now have two podcast rooms that I know of on campus. Um, Maldosta's doing a better job at (laughs) talking to each other. Um, We have the new media center here on campus, which is really nice, open to anybody, students, faculty, anybody, and they have a great place to record. But also the business school over in Pound Hall, which is a beautiful building over by the hospital. Um, they just renovated an entire suite in the basement and they've got a green screen room and they've got like the little selfie cameras. It's for the marketing aspect. Uh, they even have a 3D printer that you can use free of charge. So, um, and they've given us, I think, uh, definitely me, full access. I think they want to partner with us. So, so, yeah, it's exciting. I'll have to start recording down there. Awesome. All right. Well, thank everyone for listening in to this episode of Teacher Talks um, and hope that you will keep listening. Like and subscribe, as they say. Bye. Teacher Talks at Valdosta State University is produced by Ricky Z Social Media and is brought to you by the Dewar College of Education and Human Services and the Department of Teacher Education at Valdosta State University.